for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at newsongplymouth.church. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. How many know God is able? God is able. Um, How many of you have ever experienced a miracle in your life? Raise your hand really high. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God is able. God is able. The last few weeks we've been talking about that God is in control, that he's a sovereign God. He has the absolute right to do whatever pleases him. But one of the things that we know that pleases God is that, that he is not just able, but he is willing to do the miraculous, and he loves setting people free. And we see that throughout the life of Jesus Christ as he walked the earth. And we're going to study one of those stories today. But, I, but first of all, we've got to kick it off with a theme verse for this series. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, That is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everybody say amen. 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 Immeasurably more. He can do immeasurably more. He is able. And we see this in scripture in Mark chapter 9 that we're going to go to in a second. But I got to set this up just a little bit. I I too have experienced uh, miraculous things in my life. Um, not, not only um, miraculous provision, uh, but miraculous healing. Uh, um, just a, 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 Let me say it like this. Um, I was having trouble I, as, a, as a young person. Uh, I had tubes in my ears multiple times. Couldn't, just had really a, a very hard time hearing. And one time my ear was just clogged up. It was just, I mean, I just couldn't hear out of it at all. And it had been like that for a long time. And my dad was preaching. He said, hey, if, you, if you're in need of a miracle, if you, want to, if you want to be healed, would you, you know, come on down. I'm going to pray for you and, and um, just come to the altar area. So I did. I was a teenager. How many know that God loves teenagers? He loves teenagers. Yes, he does. I know moms and dads of teenagers, you're wondering, but he really does. He really does. And uh, as a teenager, I went to the altar, and uh, my mom came up and prayed for me, and nothing happened until about five minutes later. I was in youth ministry that night, and uh, my ear just popped, and it's been open ever since, everybody. I've never had any ear problems ever, ever since. I, I've, I've experienced um, miracles of, of, of a provisional nature, of monetary, you know, um, money's coming to us, finances coming to us very unexpectedly. I, I have received emotional miracles. I, I've had um, um, things that, that have been just ripped out of my life that had been there for a long time. One of those things was anger. I, I just had anger ripped from my life. God just did the miraculous and took this anger from me. And, and, and um, I, I'll tell you, I've experienced the fact that not, not only is God able, but he's also willing. And, and what we're going to talk about today is really uh, something found in the New Testament, but I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament first. And this is a story of Joshua. In fact, you can find this in Joshua chapter 10. You don't have to turn that now, but this is only going to be a couple moments here. But in Joshua chapter 10, we have, we have um, Joshua is really leading the Israelites, and he's just conquering things. He's just, God is just continually telling him, go here, now go here, and don't be afraid. Be strong, be courageous. 
you know, fear not, like, just go forward, go forward. And at, as he is, is hearing the voice of the Lord and he's going where God wants him to go and, and God is saying, hey, listen, th- these enemies will fall before you. Like, I'm going to give this enemy to you. That God does that as Joshua continues to walk in faith, God continues to deliver him and the Israelites and, 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 and literally just wipes out the enemy. Well, at one point, these five kings who had been defeated were all hiding in a cave. And word got back to Joshua that these five defeated kings were hiding in a, in, in a certain cave. And Joshua says, bring them out. Well, first of all, he says, put them in and put some rocks over it. I don't want them going anywhere. And then all of a sudden, okay, bring them out. And, and then he calls people around him and he, he, he orders, he demands that those kings fall on the ground and that somebody comes up to each one of those kings and puts their foot on the neck of that king. Proving it was it was symbolic that that enemy had been conquered, that enemy had been conquered, and this morning what we're going to do is I'm going to show you five enemies of faith, and and at the end of this day I want all of us to be able to put our foot on the neck of the enemy and walk out of here saying no Jesus is victorious, God is victorious, God is able, and He's going to do something in my life in my situation. How many are ready to put the enemy where he belongs, and that's under our feet? How many are ready to do that? So remember that song, uh, he's under my feet. Anybody remember that? He's under my feet, he's under my... Uh, okay, that's, that's, okay, well he is, everybody. The enemy is under our feet. He's under our feet. And I'm going to prove that to you today. There are five, five things that we're going to talk about so that you can walk out of here a victorious man and woman of God. Let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 14 is where we're going to start. And this is obviously one of the miracles of Jesus. When they came to the other disciples, they, say, they saw a large crowd around them. And this is because Jesus had just taken Peter, James, and John away. And then now he's coming back to the disciples. When they came to the other disciples, they saw, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed, overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And Jesus, you know, seeing this crowd approaching and knowing that there's just this turmoil and this tumultuous crowd, Jesus looks at his, his, his people, his brothers, his disciples, and he says, what are you arguing with them about? Like, what, what is the deal? Like, what's the big deal here? What's this? A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. I've underlined this for you again. You unbelieving generation, we'll come back to that. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father. Now, did he have to ask the father a question? No, he had the authority in that moment to do whatever he wanted to do. But he was trying to get a point across here, and it's a point we need to pay attention to. So he asked uh, the father this question. How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. 
is often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus, again, trying to make a point, if you can, said Jesus, everything, everybody say everything, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive the spirit out? And Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Um, some versions say only by prayer and fasting. And we'll get to that in a second. If God is able and he's also willing to do the miraculous, then why are his miracles restricted? And we know that they are because at one point in the ministry and life of Jesus, he, he goes into a town and they didn't want to have anything to do with him. And he walks away saying, I can't do anything there because of their unbelief. Everybody knows that story, right? I can't do anything back there because of their unbelief, because of their unbelief. So we know that we here in this room, we have the ability, nobody likes to talk about this, but we have the ability to restrict the miraculous. Let that sink in. Let it sink in. Maybe you're not seeing the miraculous like you want to because it's your fault. And a lot of times we blame God. God, why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you? But can, I, can we just reverse that? Because isn't it more wise to say, instead of blaming God, isn't it more wise to say, okay, something in me needs to change? How many know that that's more wise? We don't blame God for things. There is no evil in God. There is no wrong in God. He's perfect all the time. And to cast blame upon God is unwise. Come on, everybody. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. So we don't do that. We don't accuse God of being evil or being negligent. No, God is perfect. He's good. He's willing. He's able. I, I, let me say it like this. The problem isn't God's. The problem is ours. Now, in the middle of that, is God sovereign? Absolutely. And we see that there are times in Scripture, over and over again, in fact, where, where things weren't done instantaneously, but they were done. They, they were accomplished. And then some things, he says, listen, this is just to train you. This is just to teach you. This is, like, I'm, I'm refining you. And that's the sovereignty of God. That's the sovereignty of God. But by and large, can I tell you this? The By and large, the reason that we, we don't see miracles isn't because necessarily of God's sovereignty. It's because of our unbelief. It's because of the enemies in our life that we have, we have not conquered as of yet. And there are some enemies that, in fact, five of them this morning, that we're going to put our, our foot on the enemy today, and we're, we're going to walk out of this place saying, you know what, God is able, and God is willing, and God is going to do the miraculous because these things are now fixed 
by faith in my life. Are you ready to are you ready are you ready to stop restricting the miracles of God in your life? Are you ready for that? Okay, let's do that. Go go to point 1. You got to write this down. Miracles can be restricted by and these are all in this portion of scripture our lack of unity. Our lack of unity. Now I want to point something out to you. In fact, I'm I'm going to point several things out to you in this. That this goes to the very beginning of it. Jesus, Jesus, James and Peter and John have went with Jesus somewhere. And when they come back, the disciples are arguing with other people. And he looks at his disciples. Hey, what are you arguing about? Well, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And Jesus gets the story. But the first thing that he questions is, what are you arguing about? Like, there should be, how many know, there should be no arguments in the church. Oh, you should have said amen to that. I am highly disappointed in you today. <laughs> how many know, let me say it like this. How many know that the Bible says that the church, the church, capital C, God's church, should be absolutely united? Okay, so, so this is really cool. Let me, let me tell you about this. Uh, uh, this, this past uh, week, just a few days ago, in fact, on Thursday, I, I, uh, I joined with multiple other pastors, about 40 pastors, all across northern Indiana. We met at Crossroads Church right here in Plymouth. It was kind of a central meeting place, and um, about 40 of us got together, and we just prayed over northern Indiana. All the way, we had people all the way from very far northwest Indiana, all the way to, to, to Angola, the, the county furthest to the east, northeast. Indiana, we all came together and we just prayed over this area. And I'm telling you, everybody, the power of God was in that room. The power of God was in that room. Like I had to leave uh, early because my, my son Isaiah was taking his driver's test and I had to go take him to get his driver's test done. And he passed, by the way, everybody. He's, he's now officially a driver. Everybody cheer on Isaiah. He's right over here. He's driving now. I'm proud of that young man. And I'm going to hear about it that I pointed him out in the service. I'm so sorry, Isaiah, but I'm proud of you. Okay, so, uh, so I, I, and I tell you, I, I wanted to, I couldn't stay the whole thing, but I was being so refreshed in the Lord. And, and these men of God, just one after another, were just coming up. And, and, and I'll say, it was actually a mixture. It was, it was amazing. A mixture of men, women, white, black, Hispanic, we were all there in one room, just united in faith. And I walked away saying, God, I know you heard us today. I know you heard us. There is something about being in unity in the church and unity with other believers. We are not meant to spend our days arguing. We are meant to spend our days uniting in faith and uniting in love and uniting in purpose. That's how we're meant to spend our days. And, our, and the miraculous is actually restricted by our lack of unity. Maybe, in fact, let me, read, let me prove this to you in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 through 20. You don't have to go there. It just says this. This is Jesus speaking. Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree, everybody say agree. If you unite, if you agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. What's interesting about this, everybody, is a lot of people will come up and they'll quote Matthew 18, 20. Hey, where two or three or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, there he is with them. But they fail to realize Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 19, which says, if two of you agree about anything, it will be done. 
Isn't it interesting that, oh, Jesus is here. How about this? How about Jesus is answering because we're here praying together? This is good stuff. So sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes miracles are restricted because you have failed to find somebody to agree with you in prayer about that one thing. I've learned a long time ago, when I'm facing something difficult, I immediately go get others to help me pray. Because I am not a lone ranger in this thing. I need a tonto. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, the more tontos, the better. And so I go to my wife first to say, baby, we got to pray. And she comes to me. And if we feel like we need more prayer support outside of that, you know who I'm going to next. I'm going to my mom and my dad. Because they, they, are, they are prayer warriors, everybody. Uh, you can pray for my dad. He has Parkinson's. You guys know he's not been here last week or this week. He's just having some rough times, so pray for my dad. Don't call him, because he'll get mad if I told you. Okay, just pray, just pray for my dad. Uh, he's, he's in a battle right now, and we're praying with him. I called him up on the phone uh, just a couple of days ago. I said, Dad, I'm praying for you right now. Like right here on the phone, I'm praying for you right now. Let's pray. And, and you, you know how wonderful that is for a son to call his father and say, Dad, can we just pray together? Some of you don't have that type of relationship with your parent. And I tell you, you can borrow mine. I'll loan them out to you. Again, I'm being serious about that. If you know my mom and dad, they'll pray for you. Uh, no question about it. So find someone. Find someone. Because it could be that God is waiting for you to agree with somebody else, to unite with somebody else, because there is something powerful when two or more gather together in the name of Jesus and pray and believe the Bible says it will be done. It will be done. I didn't write that verse. I'm just teaching you what it says. And we have to adhere to it. So the first thing is our lack of unity. The second thing is, uh, what's this? What's this? The people that we associate with. <laughs> oh, this is good. You see, Jesus, you remember this, he says, the, 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 the dad says, hey, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you unbelieving generation. He doesn't just say one of them. He says, no, all of you, you're all unbelieving. You, you don't have faith. Let me tell you this, everybody. The people that you associate with will either elevate you to, higher, to, to a higher faith or they will bring you down from a, a higher faith. Meaning this, everybody, this, let, me, let me break this down for even better. You know, uh, two, was it two Sundays ago, we had Pastor Larry Stock still here. And I told you about the guy. The guy's amazing. The guy is amazing. He's not the greatest communicator in the world, although he does a great job. He's not known as being the greatest communicator, although he's good. What he's really known for is being a spiritual father, but also being a man of faith. And, and call me selfish. I, I, I don't care what you call me. Uh, but I purposely went after Larry Stockstill, not, not for you as much as for me. And I'm just being honest with you. Because I've learned something. I become who I associate with. And if I want to be a great man of God, I need to hang around great men of God. 
If I want to be a great person of God, I need to hang around some people of God, both men, women, black, white, Hispanic, doesn't matter. I just need to hang around with them because they're going to help me be better. They're going to help me believe more. They're going to help me rise up as a man of faith like I want to be. And so I put myself around people that are going to challenge me, that are going to, that are going to elevate my faith. And I'm telling you, everybody, I started uh, uh, <laughs> Larry Stocks alive some moments, everybody, that were just God moments where, where he spoke some things into my life that there's no way he could have known and um, uh, elevated my faith. He just, he just brought me up, brought me up. And I walked away saying, whoo, God's got some more stuff for me to do. L- listen, everybody, but if you hang around with unbelievers, guess what you're going to start doing? Unbelieving. If you, if you hang around with doubters, you're going to doubt. But if you hang around with people filled with faith, they will, they will help you to believe more than what you're believing for. I'm just, so don't, I'm not saying we're not friends with unbelievers and, and that we're not reaching, I'm definitely not saying that. In fact, I pursue people that don't know Jesus. I want to be friends with people who don't know Jesus. But, but in that relationship, I'm the one that's pulling them up. They are not pulling me down. And if somebody starts pulling me down, I break that off. That's not good for me. This is good stuff. I didn't even mean to say that today, but it needs to be said. That miracles can be restricted by the people that you associate with. I don't know about you, everybody, but listen to this, listen to this. I I want to belong to a church that is faith-filled. How many like me, you want to belong to a life-giving, faith-filled church? Because it's good for us to hang around. Let me say it like this. If If you have a need on a Sunday morning, you want to be able to go... To, to, to the prayer team or to a pastor and say, hey, I'm dealing with this, and you want, the, you want to know that they know how to pray a prayer of faith. You want to be able to leave this place saying, "Woo, we touched the heart of God today. You don't, want to, you don't want to be prayed for by somebody who says, well, Johnny, I just don't know what to say. God, I hope you can work this out for Johnny. I don't, I don't know. You don't, want to, you don't want to pray with somebody like that, do you? You want to pray with somebody who's going to call upon God. Who's going to pray a prayer of faith. That's who you want to be with. And that's who we are here at New Song. Like unashamedly. Just unashamedly. Because God is powerful. And he wants to do miraculous things. But we restrict miracles in our lives. Because of our lack of unity. Because of the people that we associate with. And watch this one. Uh, Because we focus on timelines. Focus on timelines. <laughs> Again, Jesus didn't ha- have to ask any questions. He could have just commanded the demon to come out, but he was asking questions. And one of the questions he asked was, how long has he been like this? He just wanted every- everybody to know that this has been happening ever since this boy was a child. Jesus was pointing out the timeline. And he's telling us today, timelines don't matter. See, some of you have read this parable many times and you never caught that before. 
Timelines don't matter to God. Let me, let me say it like this. There's some people in this room that you've been praying the same prayer for 10 years, and I'm just telling you, timelines don't matter. You keep believing. You keep believing because your miracle will come. Your deliverance will come. Victory will come. Jesus never loses. So you keep fighting the good fight of faith, knowing that timelines don't matter. God, it's been a long time since I've been praying about this, but I realize you're still in control. You're still powerful. You're still going to do the miraculous, and I'm choosing today to walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you, Father, that you're doing the miraculous. In Jesus' name, amen. And then go about your day, proclaiming the goodness and the faithfulness of God, knowing that timelines don't matter. But if you focus on the timeline, you're actually focusing on doubts. Because timelines, paying attention to them, does not encourage you. It actually discourages you, doesn't it? Drop the timeline. And you just thank God that the miraculous is coming your way. Am I helping anybody today? Okay, next one. Miracles can be restricted by our lack of faith. This is where uh, this man says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus looks at the guy. And I believe Jesus really responds here in love. I don't think he's rebuking the man. I think he's saying, hey, if I can, watch this. If I can, you're about to see that I can. Like, come on, Jesus is a loving, is loving God. I mean, he's God in the flesh, right? And he's showing the love of God, and he's also proving his point. He's saying, listen, listen, have faith. Have faith. If I can, of course I can. Of course I can. And wouldn't it be great if Christians would just start their prayers by saying, Heavenly Father, I just know you can fill in the blank. Jesus, I know you can. I know that you're able. What if we just make that proclamation whenever we start praying for things in our life, praying for the miraculous? Why don't we just start those with a declaration of faith before we go any further? God, I know that you're able. I know that you can. Just give it to God. Good stuff. Last one, you ready? Miracles can be restricted by a simple case of apathy. Apathy. And can I tell you, out of all of the, these things, you can go ahead and put your sermon notes away, yeah. Fill that in. Out of all the things that we've talked about, today, lack of unity, the people that we associate with, we focus on timelines, it's our, our lack of faith. The two biggest ones Lack of faith and apathy. Lack of faith and apathy. What, what I have found out is there is a high number of people that, are, are, and I don't mind this, by the way. I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just saying it is what it is. That there's a high number of people that approach my wife and I saying, we really need a miracle. And my wife and I don't even know if they're Christians or not. And then something happens, they get past it. 
And in fact, I'm just going to be really honest with you. A lot of people will come in to, the, to, to church like a force. Pastor, I'm here, I'm here. And then two days later, they're, oh, I, I really, I'm really going through this. Can you help me pray? Well, of course I can. That's what I'm here for. And then for the next three, four weeks, they're here and they're talking, they're emailing and they're, 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 they're calling me on the phone saying, giving me updates. And then, and then they see the hand of God. They, you know, God is faithful. How many knows that God's faithful even when we're faithless? That God's still good. And God will do something, and all of a sudden, we don't see that family for another year until something bad happens. And then they come in on Sunday mornings like a force. <sighs> Pastor, we're back. Okay. Well, once you see that about four times, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Some of them have done that as many as 10 to 12 times. They come back, they need something, and then they walk away. But when they need something else, they come back. I'm going to come back. I'm getting right with God now. I'm, I'm doing it now. And, and you know, can I tell you something? Here's what we do. We do nothing but encourage, encourage them. We don't tear them down. I, I, don't, I don't jump their case and say, you're always coming back to God all the week. Get out of here. I don't ever do that. Because this might be the time that they get serious in their relationship with the Lord. But one thing I know, that they're typically apathetic if they're doing that. Just typically apathetic. And if you live your life running to God only when times are bad, can I tell you something? There's some things that you need to solve in your life. That our apathy actually restricts the flow of miracles in our life. Then a lot of people, and you've been there before, odds are, if, you weren't, if there was ever a time where you weren't serving Jesus, but you needed a miracle, what did you probably do? You probably went to somebody who you thought was serving Jesus and asked them to pray for you because you didn't have the faith for it yourself. Where we get this in Scripture is here in Mark chapter 9, at the very end of it. Jesus had gone indoors privately with the disciples, and they asked him, Jesus, why couldn't we drive out this demon? And he replied to them, this kind can come out only by prayer, and some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. Only. The, the King James says, this can only happen with nothing but prayer. Nothing but prayer. Meaning this one, this one, this miracle is given to those who truly know me, spend time with me. They're in an active, vibrant relationship with me. And they know who I am because of the amount of time they spend with me. Jesus is telling them, you haven't gotten there yet. You're not there yet. This one comes out of relationship. Relationship. Oh, Lord. Help us not to be. I don't want to be apathetic. I don't want to get that wrong. When I have a need in my life, I want to know Jesus so well. I know he's not only able, he's willing, he's faithful. I want to know it. 
Pastor Larry Stockstill tells this story. They were building a new building and contractors got it wrong. They, there was this, a setback that they had to honor, but they ended up building the building like 12 to 18 inches into the setback that they weren't supposed to do. And it was something that was going to cost millions of dollars to fix. And everybody in his church gathered around him and said, Pastor Larry, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't have the money for this. What, you know, the... He just looks at him and says, come on, everybody. We're, go- we're going through. God's just going to bring us through this. I don't... Why are you guys worried about? What, what's the big deal? This is nothing to God. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, it all works out, and the city makes a variance and says, oh, okay, no problem. You can have... There was, in the middle of that turmoil, there was a man of faith who knew God well enough to know, I'm not scared of this. Wouldn't you like to be like that? Wouldn't you, be, wouldn't, you be, wouldn't you like to be so full of Jesus that when a bad day comes, you're not scared? That you know him so well, you know he's going to come through. And you don't leave in fear. You leave in faith. I want to be that guy. I want to know him that well. I want to be in that deep of a relationship with Jesus. And I say, let's do that. Let's, let's reject apathy and be passionately devoted followers of Jesus. Let's do that together. And we're going to see God do the miraculous. It's going to be awesome as we do it together. Let's bow our heads. Some people here in this room that you're just not even in a relationship with Jesus. This is your moment. You say, I, I just need to start that relationship with Jesus. You want to invite Jesus into your life and really truly surrender, submit your life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Just say, today's my day, Pastor. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I want to be in a relationship with him. Right? You can put your hands down. Anybody else? I'm so proud of you. And how many... I'm going, to be, I'm, I'm going to ask an honest question. Nobody looking around. I need This needs to be totally private. That you would admit today, Pastor, kind of just an apathetic Christian. I'm not pursuing Jesus like I should be. I'm done with that. I'm going all in. Would you raise up your hand really high? Let's do it together. Let's do it together. You can put your hands down. Jesus, thank you. You forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For those in this room that raise their hands for salvation this morning, Jesus, we're inviting you in. Come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sins. Live in me. Today I surrender to you. Submit to you. Thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for saving me. And Lord, I pray for every single person in this room, those who raised their hands, even for those who didn't, that, that all of us would live a life that rejects apathy, that we reject the lukewarm life, and that we embrace you, and that we seek you and pursue you, not just when emergencies rise, but Lord, in fact, we would know you so much that when emergencies rise, Lord, we, we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to be faithful, that you're going to do the miraculous. God, I, I reject apathy in my life. I reject it. I want you more than anything that this world has to offer. Jesus, I want you more. I want you more. If that's you today, could we all just stand up and just open up our hands toward heaven? Come on, everybody, let's just do this. Say, Jesus, I want you more. I want you more than anything that this world has to offer. I want you more. I long for you. I desire you. Forgive me of my apathy. And empower me to pursue you like never before. I surrender my life. I'm going all in. Going all in. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your patience leads us to repentance. And thank you that the miraculous is coming our way, that we're leaving this place with the enemy under our feet, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, and that good things are coming to us because of our faith, because of our unity, because of the things that we're believing for together, because of our faith being elevated, because of our, of our rejection of apathy and sincerity in following you and knowing you, because our faith is stronger than it's ever been. We know that miraculous things are coming our way, that you're going to do the miraculous. And Father, today we take our stand against the enemy our, our feet are on his neck. We know that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. Find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ. All you have to do is go to newsongplymouth.church slash connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.